Well, hello. My name is Nick, in case you forgot. Now, it's been a while, right? How many of you want to clap for that offering piece? You didn't get a chance to clap. You want to clap for that? Yeah? I had a feeling. I could just kind of feel it out there. You guys want to, it's, like a, it's like an itch you can't scratch, right? I mean, you know you're good when you make people cry at the doxology. I mean, that's, that's pretty good, right? Here we are. Breakthrough. Don't you just love the sound of that? Breakthrough. Especially around this time of the year, right? January, New Year's. I don't know about you, but, but around this time of the year, I'm a bit more focused. Like, I'm a bit more on my game. I'm a bit more ready for change. That isn't until February hits, right? Like, here in a couple of weeks, we'll notice people start running out of steam, right? The crowds in the gym get a little bit thinner, right? Or all those books you bought that you've been meaning to read start collecting some dust. Or suddenly you can't find that calendar you swore you were going to use. Am I right? It's usually right about now when this begins to happen. And so for a lot of us, you know, New Year's is just kind of like a reflection of how the rest of the year typically goes. We've got these big ambitions, right? We've got some good intentions. We've got poor follow-through. And, and it can make it easy to grow sort of cynical about all of it, right? Especially about the New Year's resolution thing. Because let's be honest, for some of us, there's nothing new about them, <laughs> We've been making the same ones for years. Start calling them New Year's traditions. Sounds a bit more honest, right? Now, if you're anything like me, then here's what I know. There's some places in your life where you feel stuck. Am I right? There's some places in your life where what you long for is breakthrough. What you long for is change. I mean, here's where I'm at with it right now. I'm just going to be honest. I am currently trying to lose the same 25 pounds that I have lost and found maybe like five or six times. Right? I mean, seriously, if I were to ask you to, to sort of vocalize, to name areas in your life where you feel stuck, I'm sure a lot of you would say your health, your weight, your fitness. For a lot of you, it's your marriage. You feel stuck. Maybe it's in your career. Maybe it's your finances. But there's these places in our lives where we feel stuck. It's really what this series is all about. It's about breakthrough. It's about change. The kind of change that actually lasts. The kind of change that actually sticks around for a while. And we've been looking to a period in Israel's history where they were on the edge of, of breakthrough. You know, for 40 years, I've been wandering around in the wilderness, and now an entirely new generation under the leadership of Joshua is right there on the edge, right there on the edge of the promised land. And we're going to call this weekend Gaining Ground. And here's why. See, last week, Pastor Drew took us through Joshua chapter 1, right? A message all about courage. Really, what's happening in Joshua chapter 1 is they're making their resolutions, Right? This is what we're going to do. Well, here in chapter 3, we're going to take a look at the moment when the nation as a whole actually stepped foot on the land of promise, actually stepped foot on this land that they've been working their way towards for 40 years. This is when the rubber meets the road, folks. This is when resolution moves to becoming reality. This is when change begins to take place. I mean, the thing is, I told you, I was trying to lose the same 25 pounds, right? We're doing this biggest loser competition at the church. We do it every year around the holidays. I won it the year before last. I won the whole thing. And I'm convinced I'm going to win it again. 
But you know, this is not the thing that you want to win more than once. <laughs> right? So here's what I'm ready for. I'm ready for change that lasts. Who's with me? I'm ready for some of this to stick around. This will be the last time that I see these pounds, right? That's where I want us to go this morning. Like, how do you turn the corner, right? How do you move from resolution to reality? How do we begin to gain ground on some of these areas in our lives where we feel stuck? Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we just want to recognize right now that you're here, that you're with us. Lord, help us to believe that deep down in the core of who we are, that this morning presents us with an opportunity for change. And what I know is, because I I put this sermon together with your help, I know that we're probably not going to hear something we haven't heard before. But I don't think that this morning is about learning something new. I think this morning is about doing the things that we already know we need to do. So I I pray for all of us in this room that this morning will matter. That this might be a day we look back on a couple of years from now. And we say, you know what? That's when it started. That's when I began to gain ground in this area where I feel stuck. So right now, prepare us, Lord, to respond. Help us to not only hear what you have to say to us, but help us to respond to it in a way that actually leads to change, that leads us towards the kind of life that you want for us. We love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray, amen. We're gonna be in Joshua chapter three and I actually wanna reread a portion to you from the passage that we just heard. But Joshua chapter three, verse one. So so they've made it all the way to the edge, right? They're right there on the edge of this promised land after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Verse one, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites, they set out and they went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Verse five, and here's where I want us to hang out for a little while. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. I'm going to read that again. Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. Let's start with this word consecrate. In the Hebrew, it's this word kadash. And it literally means to make yourself holy. It's about setting yourself aside for the things of God. After reading through several definitions, here's how I come to understand it, particularly in this context. To consecrate yourself means to orient yourself, to point yourself towards the reality and the power of God. I'm going to say it again. To consecrate yourself is to orient yourself. It's to point yourself towards the reality and towards the power of God. I mean, this taps into something that we've been talking about the entire series, and we're going to have to keep talking about it throughout the entire series. Breakthrough, the kind of change that lasts, is initiated, empowered, and sustained by God. Somebody say amen to that. I mean, breakthrough, the kind of change that sticks around, the kind of change that lasts, is change that is initiated. It's God's idea. It's empowered and sustained by the power of God. And so God, before we even head into that land, consecrate yourselves to me. 
Don't forget where this is coming from. Don't forget who this is for. Don't forget who's gonna be there with you every step of the way. We can't rush past this. Not when it comes to actually turning the corner, right? Not when it comes to actually gaining ground in those places where we feel stuck. It's like I, last Saturday, I, I got back from a trip to Israel, spent 10 days going all around the place that we call the Holy Land. It was an amazing experience, life-changing experience. If you ever get the chance, I highly recommend that you do it. Now, needless to say, I spent a whole lot of time in an airplane. Whole lot of time in an airplane. And airplanes still freak me out. I've flown a lot, but it's still, anybody else just, like, I can't think about it too much when I'm in an airplane. It's like I'm in something that's heavier than my house, and I'm like suspended in the sky. And there's nothing underneath you for 30,000. It just freaks me out. I can't think about it too much. I just don't get it. But here's, here's something I thought was interesting. Every time we took off on the ground, right, I'd look up and it would be overcast, cloudy sky, right? Kind of gray, drab, maybe even a little bit of rain, right? But then you take off in that airplane, right? And eventually you come to a place where you're in the middle of those clouds, right? You're in the middle of that weather and that's where the turbulence starts. Side note, I'm that guy on the plane when turbulence starts who tries really hard to act like he's cool, you know? Like, but you don't look at my hands because my hands are tight. Everything else, I'm just like, I'm good. Just don't talk to me. Because when you talk to me, I over, like, overcompensate and I talk really loud. Like this poor guy was trying to have a conversation with me on the way home. We hit some rough turbulence. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm good. Anybody else in here? That way. Yeah, okay. So you continue to climb, right, through the clouds. What eventually happens when you get high enough? You get above the clouds, don't you? And tell me, what does the sky look there, like there? Is it gray? It's blue, isn't it? It's beautiful. It's clear. Looks probably something like this. And you know, and it hit me. You know something? The sky's always like that. Did you know that? It was daytime out, right? Guess how the sky really looks all the time. Just like that. Never changes. Sometimes it's hard to believe that, isn't it? When you live here on the ground. Because life under the clouds changes all the time, doesn't it? I mean, sometimes there's lots of clouds, right? Sometimes there's storm clouds. Sometimes they call for snow and it doesn't happen, right? I mean, life down here is always changing. Can I get amen? I mean, the only constant thing about it is it's not gonna stay the same. It's gonna be different. But you know what, life above the clouds? constant never changes it's always the same the sky is always blue you know what consecration is about consecration is about making your home above the clouds it's about grounding yourself in what you know to be true who God is and what God has told us. It's about making our home there this isn't about ignoring the difficult things the clouds are real they're there they just don't determine the color of the sky. And here's why I think this matters when it comes to experiencing breakthrough, right? Real change. Because here's what I know. Anytime you set out to do something new, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to feel unfamiliar. You're going to be scared. Anytime you set out to do something good and healthy, guess what? 
it's going to be hard. Anytime you set out to do the right thing, I'll make you a promise, wrong's going to happen. And our ability to navigate that, our ability to continue to keep moving forward has everything to do with consecration, has everything to do with where we make our home, with where we abide and where we dwell. Because often what we do is we get this backwards. We allow the clouds to determine what we believe about the sky. Often we allow our circumstances, our frustrations to determine what we think is true and who we think God is, right? So if things are going fine, we're good. We're probably not even thinking about this stuff. We're not even thinking about who God is or really concerned much where God's at or what God's up to. But tell me, what happens when something comes our way that we're not comfortable with? Where are you, God? Am I right? Man, the clouds are getting gray. The sky must be gray. And consecration is about reversing this. It's allowing what we believe about the sky to influence how we understand the clouds. When we do that, guess what? Guess what we begin to see all this as? Sure, it's not nice, but it's temporary. It's not forever. I can make it. It's when we ground ourselves in the reality, the truth of who we know God to be, then what that does is it gives us the ability to understand our context. It changes the way we see where we're at. Because when we ground ourselves in the truth of who God is, then that gives us the strength to look in our circumstance, no matter what it is, and to believe this, to believe this, God's up to something. Even in the midst of this, God is up to something. Can I get an amen to that? See, there's this lie, and sometimes religious folks, it's our fault. We, we're the ones who actually propagate it. There's this lie out there, it goes something like this. Man, you just need to believe in Jesus. You just need to trust Jesus. And if you do that, he's gonna make sure nothing bad ever happens to you. He's gonna make sure your life is easy. Name and claim it, right? Like if, if anything bad happens, then guess what? It's, it's probably because you didn't have enough faith. You just gotta have more faith. If you have enough faith, nothing bad will ever happen. Can I just tell you what that is? It's a lie. It's a big, fat lie. You see, Jesus finishes the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe the most influential teaching, whether you're religious or not, the Sermon on the Mount may, may be the most influential teaching, teaching the world's ever, ever heard. Guess how he finishes this sermon? He tells a story, doesn't he? A story about these two houses. One house gets built on the sand. This, this is the person who really doesn't even care about the things of God, right? Like they, they hear Jesus' words and they just ignore them. They just let them go. They don't even care. They build their house on the sand. Then there's a person who builds their house on the rock, on a good foundation. This is a person who takes very seriously the things of God. This is a person who not only hears Jesus, but puts them into practice. Well, guess what? A storm hits them both. Where you build your house, what you put your faith in has nothing to do with whether or not a storm's coming your way. It's coming. Here's what I've come to learn. Either we're in the middle of the storm, we're coming out of a storm, or we're going into a storm. That's life. You see, where you build your house has nothing to do with what's coming your way. You know what it has to do with? How you handle it. 
how you handle what comes your way. The hope that we have in Jesus is not that life is going to be easy or that bad things aren't going to happen. The hope that we have in Jesus is that when life gets hard, when bad things do happen, we don't have to fall apart. So my question for us this morning is, what's consecration look like for you? Maybe you're like me, right? Like we make these commitments. We, we're going to do it. I'm going to lose the weight. I'm going to go in that direction. I'm going I'm to try this new thing. I'm going to go to college, even though nobody in my family ever went to school, right? I'm going to make these changes. I'm going to do the hard thing. But then all of a sudden, it gets hard. What do you do? You quit. You go right back to where you were. Sometimes we go back even worse, don't we? We relapse. and It's worse than it ever was before. You know what the good news is? It doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be like that. We don't have to be tossed about by the winds and the waves. As the book of James says, we can consecrate ourselves. We can make our home above the clouds. But what does this look like for you? It's interesting. Joshua, God tells the people, I want you to consecrate yourself today because tomorrow the amazing thing is going to happen. Consecration comes first. Right? The guy who built his house on the rock, did he do it in the middle of a storm? That'd be really hard to do, wouldn't it? <laughs> he built his house there before the storm ever came. The people that I know who were able to go, go the long haul, who have like endured some of the most difficult things you can imagine, you know what it is? That perseverance, it's the fruit of how they've been living their lives the entire time. It's a bad time to decide you want to learn how to swim when you fall out of a boat. I mean, for some of us, what we need to do is we need to get in the habit of consecrating ourselves every day, carving out some time to remind ourselves of what we have decided is true, what we've put our hope in. How familiar are you with that? I mean, I've had to do this all this past week. You know, you get back from Israel. How often do you get to start the new year, right? I'm starting 2018, convincing me the best year ever. I get to start it off with a pilgrimage, right? I get to go, go to Israel and I come back. You know, the whole time I'm there, I'm like, oh, this year's gonna be amazing. I'm gonna do all these things that I never said I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make some changes. And then you land and you get here and immediately what happens? You get confronted with all the same old stuff. And if you're anything like me, it's like, man, when things get uncomfortable here, I get kind of reactionary. I get reachy and I start caving in on some of the things I said I was going to do, right? I've had to catch myself several times this week and I, and I hold that picture, put that picture back up, would you mind, of the sky? In the moment, I have to go there. Like I literally picture in my head that. Where's my home? It's above the clouds. I'm not going to react to this. Instead, I'm going to act according to what I believe is true. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act out of my trust in who God is and what God is in. What's this look like for you? Is your life reactionary or is it grounded in something bigger than your circumstances? And I can spend, I can stay here all day. We've got to keep going. Can we keep going? Is that okay? You still out there? Because you're looking at me like this. I don't know if that's a good thing or you're just hungry, right? Maybe a little bit of both. Joshua 3, let's go back to that verse. Verse 5, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. I love that. The Lord will do amazing things. This word for amazing things is actually one word in the Hebrew. It's this word palad. Sometimes it's translated as wonders. 
right? For tomorrow, God's gonna do some wonders. One scholar said this about the word. It says, amazing things are stunning feats that only God can do. Deeds so incredible as to leave their witnesses gasping. What that is? It's this. That's how I wish you were looking at me right now. (laughs) This is amazing things. Amazing things is this. What? What? Did you see that? It's amazing things. You see, gaining ground, it's a matter of consecration. You know what else it is? It's a matter of expectation. It's a matter of expectation. Notice God didn't say this. Hey, consecrate yourselves because tomorrow, man, I'm going to do some all right things. He probably won't even be that impressed. He maybe was going to sleep in and just forget about the whole thing, right? No, what did God say? Consecrate yourselves because tomorrow I'm going to blow your mind. I'm going to do amazing things. See, some of us have settled for all right when God wants to do amazing. Some of us have just settled for it's all right. When what God wants to do is amazing. Sometimes we struggle experiencing breakthrough because here's the honest truth. We stopped a long time ago believing it was possible. You see, God's up to something real interesting here in the opening chapters of Joshua. And you have to kind of, you have to step back and look at it from a big picture to actually see it. But he's doing something I think is really, really powerful. All throughout these early chapters in Joshua, God is almost like having the people reenact things from their history, from like 40 years ago with the first generation, when God first started this whole Exodus thing, right? You remember the Exodus, Charleston Heston, right? Moses, he goes, he goes to Pharaoh and rescues the people and delivers them out, right? Does these amazing things, leads them through the wilderness. God's performing miracle after miracle, right? Here in the early chapters of Joshua, it's like he's having them reenact some of this stuff. I mean, for instance, in chapter two, he tells the people to send two spies out, just like they did 40 years earlier, to scout the land out, right? Then here in chapter three, when they cross the Jordan, God parts it, literally divides the thing, and they walk through on dry ground. Does that sound familiar? It's just like God did with the first generation, with the Red Sea, right? He parted it, they walked through on dry ground. In some ways, he's like reenacting some of this stuff. And then in chapter five, he has the people celebrate the Passover feast, just like the generation did 40 years ago. And he even has them perform circumcision, just like the first generation. If you don't know what that is, ask your neighbor. I'll wait. (laughs) Kidding. Just Google it. Don't do that either. He's reenacting all of these things, right? And I believe this is what God is doing. He's telling the people, his promises are still yours. His promises are still yours. The failure of the past is not gonna keep you from experiencing my preferred future. It doesn't have to, at least. Then it gets even better than this. Turn with me to the end of chapter five. Favorite Bibles. End of chapter five, verse 11. This is so cool. Verse 11, the day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, right? Unleavened bread and roasted grain. Verse 12, the manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce from Canaan. What was manna? Who remembers what manna was? You can talk. It's the bread from heaven, right? 
is the bread that God miraculously provided for the people while they were wandering around in the wilderness. Manna literally means, what is it? That's what it means. The story's great. God provides the bread. Some, some dude walks out of his tent one morning, sees this bread sitting on the ground like, like dew, and he says, what's that? And that's how they named it. What's it called? What's that? Right? Isn't that great? So for 40 years, this stuff's showing up and God's providing it for them. But now they've crossed the Jordan. They've entered the promised land. And guess what? Bread stops. See, manna was the food of the wanderers. Manna was the food of the people who allowed fear to keep them from taking hold of God's preferred future. Manna stopped. Because guess what? This isn't the generation of the wonders anymore. This is a whole new day, folks. This is a whole new group of people. They're not wonders anymore. They're conquerors. And from now, you know what they're going to eat? They're going to eat the land. You're going to eat food from the land of promise. Somebody better be getting excited about this right now. Whew. And all this is coming together. You know what God's saying? God's saying, listen, this is a whole new day. Whole new chances. The failure of the past is not going to disqualify your future. And this is a brand new generation. This is at the core of the gospel. And somebody better make some noise after this. This is like the central truth of why you're here this morning. You say, I'm a Christian. This is the core of your faith. It's this, that because of Jesus Christ, because of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, guess what? Today doesn't have to be like yesterday. You can change. People can change. The world is going to change. This is what it means to be people of Jesus, people of the resurrection. It means that things can change. And so when it comes to gaining ground, right, actually making our resolutions real, it's not just a matter of consecration, it's a matter of allowing God to raise our expectations. This is what it looks like for me. So I told you some, my weight issues, right? And so something that's helped me in the past is, is, is doing this sort of 30-day cleanse, like a fast called Whole30. You know what I'm talking about? Whole30 is not easy, so not for the faint of heart. It's like a 30-day cleanse, supposed to help you get your self-control back, help you get rid of your sugar demons. And my got sugar demons? I got lots of those, okay? Now, I have actually finished a whole Whole30 one time. Guess how many times I've tried? We're talking about at least 10, right? At least 10 times I've said, I'm gonna do 30 days, right? No cheats. I get like day six, and I'm like, mmm, pizza looks good. Right? <laughs> so this is something that I do, right? When, whenever I set out to do a whole 30, I get this piece of paper because I'm a visual guy, piece of paper, and I write the numbers one through 30, I circle each one of them, and then every day that I, you know, don't cheat, I cross one of those days out, and it feels great, right? So I sit down, I get back from Israel, I give him a piece of paper out, I start making this calendar, and all of a sudden I hear this little voice in the back of my head, why are you doing this? Really? You gonna try this again? Why bother getting a new piece of paper? Why don't you just go get the one you just threw away? <laughs> like, <laughs> anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, it's like immediately, you know, you like, I'm gonna set out to make a change right away. Why bother? I've been here before. I tried this. You know what expectations is about? You know what gaining ground's about? Being willing to make the list again. Uh, being willing to just, just, man, have the audacity to believe. You know what? Yeah, you know, it didn't happen last time, but it can happen this time. So I'm willing to, we're willing to try it again. 
and again and again and again and again. Keep going. You see, here's what I know. Think about those places where you're really stuck, right? Think about our wilderness. You know know what some of these places are? They're self-fulfilled prophecies. Let that sink in for a second. They're self-fulfilled prophecies. They're the result of things we've been telling ourselves for a very long time. I mean, we, we live into our expectations. We do. In fact, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs even says this. Proverbs 23, verse 7. As a person thinks in their heart, so they become. Whew. Keep telling yourself the marriage isn't going to make it. Keep telling yourself it's a lost cause. Keep telling yourself that my spouse is never going to get me. They're never going to turn it around. They're always going to act like this. Guess what? I'll make you one promise. I know something's guaranteed. You keep telling yourself that, you're going to get to be right. Congratulations. And you keep telling yourself, no matter how hard I try, I'm going to end up just like my parents. I'm going to make the same mistakes. Keep telling yourself that, you're going to get to be right. And you keep telling yourself that it's always going to be this hard, that it's never going to get any easier, that you're never going to make it there, that you're never going to do this. Congratulations, you're going to get to be right. This is about expectations. This is about allowing our hope, our faith, and who we understand God to be to determine what we think is possible. Sometimes it's just about being willing to make another list, to go back to the counselor, to start telling ourselves different things or allowing the truth of God's word to actually tell us what's true. That in Jesus Christ, all things are possible. So this morning, what have you given up on? Maybe it's you. Maybe it's somebody else. What's that thing that you say can't or won't happen? At the end of the message, we're going to actually have some time, extended period of time. Don't leave. The restaurant will still be there. We're going to spend some time actually asking the Holy Spirit to reveal this stuff to us. Be thinking about it now. We're not done yet. There's some other stuff going on in the text that I want us to look at. Look back with me at Joshua chapter 3. This time, let's go to verse 6. So Joshua tells the people, consecrate yourselves in verse five. Verse six, Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all, the, of all Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Verse eight, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the ed- edge of the Jordan's waters, I want you to go and stand in the river. Right, do you hear that? Now let's drop drop down to verse 13. God's still giving them instructions. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, by the way, in case you're wondering, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage during the harvest. Sneak that little detail in there, right? What's this river look like? What's a river look like at flood stage? It's big, right? Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. I love this right here. So the people crossed over opposite 
Jericho. Now notice, the water didn't part until the people set foot in it. The river didn't part until the priests step foot in it. Here's what this means. Gaining ground, right? Breakthrough. Not only requires consecration. Everybody say consecration. Not only requires expectation. Say expectation. Third, it requires participation. I mean, God didn't say to the people, hey, hold on a second. Let me take care of this water first, right? Let me get it out of your way. Let me make this as easy on you as I possibly can, right? Let me answer all of your questions, deal with all of your doubts. Let me fill in all of your blanks. Let me cross all your T's and dot all your I's. That's not what God did, did he? Hey, God said, hey, look, see that river? It's a flood stage. It's pretty big, isn't it? That's a whole lot of water. It's moving pretty fast too, isn't it? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go stand in it. Go on. Go stand in it. Watch what happens next. It's like God saying, listen, if we're going to go where we've never been, we got to do what we've never done. Man, breakthrough, gaining ground is going to require participation. You see, breakthrough is not just something God does for us. Hear me. Breakthrough is something God does with us. It's something God wants us to do with him. It's going to require us to step foot into Jordan. It's going to require us to move. It's going to require us to do something. There's two thoughts about this. Two thoughts. If we're going to go where we've never been, we're going to have to do what we've never done. That's cute, right? How I did that. But it's so true. I mean, for many of us, we have this picture of what we want our life to look like, right? We have an idea of, what, of how different we want things to be. But here's the problem. We're not doing anything different. I mean, it's the often quoted definition of insanity. You probably know this by now, right? What's insanity? Insanity is doing the same things, but what? Expecting different results. You know that because it's true. And when you think about breakthrough, when you think about how you want things to look, what do you got to start doing? Start behaving like that. Start stepping towards that. Do something different. Some of us in this room, we are financially upside down. Every month, we come to the end of the month, we're anxious. We don't know where the money went. We make more than enough, but every month, I don't know where it went. Right? But every month, I'm going to do it different. I want, I want this to be different. But we don't do anything different. I got news for you. You're going to continue to live that way until you start to do something different. And if that's you, I want to encourage you. Financial Peace University is kicking off January 31st, Wednesday night. So many people have come through that class and have experienced financial freedom. Because guess what? They start doing things differently. I mean, some of you, sign up for a gym. Do something different. Jump into a small group. Do something different. Get a picture of what breakthrough looks like, of what you want it to look like, and begin to imagine, what does it look to start, like, like start living that way now? Move towards that. Second point is this. Big breakthroughs often begin with really small steps. Big breakthroughs often begin with really small steps. Everything we've been talking about here in Joshua takes place within the first three chapters. Guess what the next 24 chapters are? Them taking the land 
one victory at a time. Change takes time. We don't like that though, do we? It's like we make our resolutions, boom, this is who I want to be. We wake up the next morning and it's not all fixed and then it's like, I'm just going to quit. We quit before we actually get started. I mean, in Israel, I was feeling squishy and out of shape. I was like, I'm doing a workout right here in my hotel room, right? So I get down, do a workout. Part of the workout was I'm going to do 10 push-ups. I did 10 push-ups and I thought I was going to die. And here's why this is so frustrating. I've bench pressed 450 pounds before. I'm going to tell you that to brag. Well, I'm kind of bragging. I should be able to do 10 push-ups. This is such a self-defeating feel. Like, I... I can do so many, I can only do 10. I heard his voice in the back of my head. He said, hey, do 10 push-ups. Do those. That crappy mile you ran is better than the one you didn't run. You see, that's where it all starts. We've got to tell ourselves, I'm going to start here. This is not where I'm going to finish, but you know what? It is where I'm going to begin. It starts with small steps. Small steps. It reminds me of hitting a sled when I played uh, football in high school. Any other, other linemen, former linemen in the room? Come on, raise your hand. Let me see you. Okay, I see you. Now, I spent so much time on a sled like this with often several coaches on top of it. We had to push it all the way across the field, right? Now, when you hit this sled, the temptation is, well, I got to move it there as fast as I can. Well, I'm going to hit it. I'm just going to run with the thing, right? Like I always do. Big, long strides. It doesn't work that way. You hit it. It's not moving anywhere if you do it like that. If you want to move a sled, as soon as you hit it, what do you got to do? Start chopping your feet. You just start chopping your feet. I'm going to make a, take a bunch of little steps right now as fast as I can. Chop, 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 chop. After you do that for a few moments, guess what? So that starts to move. Starts to move. And as you keep doing it, you can take longer strides and longer strides. And before you know it, that sled's flying. Those coaches are hanging on for dear life. When it comes to breakthrough, when it comes to gaining ground, man, Big breakthroughs are a result of small steps. Short victories. Some of us right now, we need to get our feet chopping. We can get our feet chopping. Tell you what, cut up the credit card. Start there. Cut it up. You can't give me a good reason why you need to have four credit cards. Cut them up. Don't put sugar in your coffee in the morning. Start there. Get your feet chopping. Ask for help. Find a counselor. Get your feet chopping fill out the application tell her you're sorry go buy some flowers do something small because often what happens we get confronted don't we? we get confronted how overwhelming it feels how big it feels and we feel like man I can't do this find something small what do they say how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time so I'm thinking about the couple in the room right now you haven't slept in the same room in who knows how long but you're here. You haven't talked to each other. You know where it might start for you? Reach over and hold each other's hand right now. Is that going to fix it all? No. Get your feet chopping. Do something. Start somewhere. And trust. It's going to move you forward. It's going to lead to breakthrough. Get your feet chopping. What I'm going to do right now is, is, is Jack's going to come up and going to lead us through a couple verses of a song. And what I want you to do, I want you to just please take this seriously because here's the thing. If all you do is listen to my words and leave, who cares? Who cares? Something's got to change, right? Something's got to happen. And so as he leads us through these two, first two verses, I just want you to invite the Holy Spirit to reveal to you how do you need to respond to this? What needs to happen as a result of what you heard today? 
Maybe it's, it's a next right thing, right? Maybe it's a small step you need to take. It's that thing you need to do. Maybe you've known about it for a while, but you're gonna actually do it when you leave here. Just invite the Holy Spirit through these first two verses, right? To reveal to you what that is. And after he leads us through those two, first two verses, I'm gonna ask those of you who get a sense of what you, you know what it is. You know the thing, it's clear. I'm gonna invite you to come forward down here as a way of first, like your first steps towards actually doing it. Because here's what I know. If you won't do it in here, if you won't come forward in here, you're probably not gonna do it when you leave here. I'm gonna ask you to come forward and stand. And once Jack's done singing those last two verses, I'm gonna pray for you. Does that make sense? And so right now, as Jack leads us, let's invite the Holy Spirit just to speak to us, to reveal to us what we need to do.